Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knudsen had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. I have a periodic co-host on the show, Chris Knutson, who's not with me today, but he has another episode coming up for you soon as well. We're kind of tag team in this podcast. Chris is on the other side of the world in Germany, and I'm here in the Northeast of the United States. I hope you're enjoying the show. We love getting feedback. If you have any feedback, trending topics you want to hear about in the civil engineering world, email me at anthony at engineeringcareercoach.com. In today's episode, I interviewed Sam Lytle of Civil FX on a really awesome topic, which is 3D renderings for projects. Sam's a civil engineer who made this crazy leap into building this business where he now models projects, and he's got some really cool stuff to tell us about. Before I introduce you to Sam and jump into the interview, I want to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the civil FE or PE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in civil engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code civil at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass. Com and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, so today's guest is Sam Lytle. Sam grew up in a town in Nevada called Alamo. When he graduated high school, he attended UNLV in Las Vegas, where he received a degree in civil engineering. After graduation, he received a job offer with the Nevada Department of Transportation. As a rotating engineer, which took him through various divisions within the department and eventually took he and his family to Carson City, Nevada. After the two-year rotating engineering program, Sam accepted a position in roadway design, and it was during this time that he discovered his love for 3D visualization. He decided then that he would someday start his own 3D visualization company, and it was about three years later. And shortly after, he received this professional engineering license that he then started Civil FX full-time. Sam now lives back in his hometown of Alamo with his wife and three and a half kids, three and one on the way. And with his Civil FX small team of artists and engineers, he works with engineering, construction, and infrastructure industries to provide high-quality graphics and renderings using actual design data. All the info about Sam and his projects are at civilfx.com. We're going to jump into the interview here. It's just really interesting because Sam was a civil engineer, he is a civil engineer, and he made that leap and he found kind of what he thought was a problem or a challenge or something that could be really great benefit to the civil engineering society and he created it and he made it happen and here it is. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week and we're here with Sam Lytle of Civil FX. You just heard me kind of intro Sam and give you a little bit of his background. Sam, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. I mean, Sam does some really cool stuff, and obviously our listeners are civil engineers, and you work on a lot of design projects, so Sam really brings these projects to life through what he does. And before we get into that, Sam, I gave you a little intro, but other than the Nevada Department of Transportation 
tell our listeners about any other work experience or other engineering firms or agencies that maybe you worked for? Sure. Yeah, after a few years at Nevada Department of Transportation, my family and I wanted to move a little bit closer to home. We were in the Carson City, Reno area, and we wanted to get closer to Las Vegas. So we moved back, and I worked for uh, Kimley Horn and Associates for a little while. And then I bounced around with a few other firms and projects for a few years, just kind of while I was working towards my goal of starting Civil FX. But it, it was just enough that I saw both the public side of things and the private side of things. Awesome. And, and Sam was a guest on our other podcast, the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, episode 39, which which was a couple of years ago and seems like ages ago. Yeah. But his business is going well. And let's talk about for a second, Sam. You told us the story in the other podcast, but for those that didn't hear, you, you were working as an engineer and you decided to make this transition to starting this visualization company. What pushed you in that direction? When I was in college, I got into like SketchUp and Revit and some of these 3D modeling software programs. And when we would do class projects, a lot of times I would find myself spending a lot more time presenting what the project would look like and less on the calculations and stuff. That was just kind of my thing. And, uh, and so when I got to NDOT, a couple of the project managers came to me one time and they said, hey, uh, you've done this 3D modeling stuff before. Do you think you could do this fly through? It was a gas line, high pressure gas line, and they wanted to show how it conflicted with these bridge piers, proposed bridge piers for this interchange. And they wanted to take this video to the gas line company and say, look, we need to move this gas line because of these conflicts. And so they're like, Sam, can you help us make this video? And I was like, well, sure, I'd love to give it a try. And so I did that and they absolutely loved it. I mean, looking back, it was so, <laughs> I, I've progressed a lot in the several years since then, but it was good enough for them and they were excited about it. And so then other project managers would come to me and they'd say, you know, can you do this diverging diamond interchange that we're going to do in Reno? And so I was like, uh, yeah, I would love to. And so I noticed when I was doing these visualization projects, I mean, I was on my path to being an engineer. I had my civil engineering degree already, but that was like where I was most excited about going to work. Like the clock would just, I wouldn't be looking at the clock, you know, just fly by. And so that's, when I decided, I was like, someday I want to start my own firm just doing these graphics. And, and so from that point, which was probably 2011 until 2014, it was just setting up my career so that I could get to that point. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's You're a civil engineer working as a civil engineer. You liked graphics. Uh, it sounds like you had a passion for it. And then you decided to make what is probably considered a, a somewhat of a risky leap considering you have a family and you went into this business, Civil FX, and what gave you confidence to make that shift? Yeah, and, and when I, I liked the graphics, but I also liked the engineering side of it. You know, like a lot of times I think firms would outsource visualization to animation studios and they wouldn't understand the engineering terms, they wouldn't understand the CAD files, the microstation files. And so I liked being able to bridge that gap between civil engineering and special effects, hence civil FX. And, and so it just, it made me really excited. And, and every time I would do it, the client would get excited because what, from a business aspect, you're always trying to solve problems. And the problem is these project managers need to communicate the project. They need to explain it to lay people that aren't engineers. And, and the competition to that in the past was aerial exhibits where they'd have line work on, on top of it. If you've ever gone to a public meeting for a project, you know, you see these 
big role plots of CAD files, basically. And so the, if you give these tools to the project managers, they get really excited about it. And they would tell me, man, we used to pay a ton of money for this stuff. And I was like, well, a ton of money, you know, like, I wonder if I could at least just provide for my family for it. And so in those years leading up to 2014, because that was kind of my goal, I was I was turning 30, I was going to get my PE license. That was in my mind, like 2014, uh, the summer, that's when I'm going to make the leap. And leading up to it, there was this big project happening called Project Neon. And I had left NDOT, but I knew this project was coming. And it was the, it's the biggest project in Nevada's, the biggest public works project in Nevada's history. Wow. And so there was a couple of different ways I knew I could approach getting, being part of Project Neon. One of them was, you know, if I was on a team that won the project. And then another way was a lot of times for court cases, like imminent domain cases, where the public goes and they'll, they'll take land to build a, a freeway through a, a certain area of the city. Those go to court and then they need visuals saying this is what the project's going to look like. And I had done some of that working at Kimley Horn. And so I was like, if I start doing these right-of-way graphics for the court cases for Project Neon, that would be enough to keep me busy for several years. And or if I was on a team that got Project Neon, you know, that would change everything. And so uh, it was a risk, but I knew and I had a couple other projects lined up when I when I made that leap, but that was just kind of the the bet. And so I ended up on one of the three teams competing for Project Neon and it happened to be the team that won. And then wow. I got involved with the court case, the legal visuals as well. And so uh, everything worked out the way that I, I had hoped it to. But it, So it was a gamble, but it was a, a calculated risk based on this big project and then some of the other smaller projects and contacts that I had in the industry. Wow, that's great. So for those of you that still might not be 100% clear on, on what Sam's company does, we're going to dig into this a little bit. So Sam's company, Civil FX, effectively builds these 3D visuals of projects. And I'll let Sam describe it a little bit more. But Sam, maybe the best way for you to describe this is, why don't you walk us through one of your projects? A lot of our listeners are civil engineers, project managers, you know, how it works for you and how it works for kind of the engineer throughout this process. So someone has a project and they might approach you, right, and ask you to do this type of work. Sure. So the tagline for Civil FX is the visual side of infrastructure and I changed that about a year ago because before I was just focused on 3D visualization. And the reason I did that is because eventually I want to get into things like drones, site photography, project websites, just the, the entire visual side of infrastructure. But the 3D visualization, that's the core of my business and that's what I started it around. And, and so in most cases, what we do is we build the project virtually. We build it a 3D representation of the project using actual CAD files, either a a microstation file or a DWG CAD, AutoCAD file or whatever the designer uses, we take those files, we integrate them into existing terrain, we model the surrounding infrastructure to give it context, whether that be, you know, buildings, mountains, signs, billboards, whatever it is, to try and make it look like it really would. And then once we have that virtual representation of the project, we can do a lot of different things. Usually it's, you know, rendered images or videos so that they can show, like on Project Neon, what we're doing right now, they've been showing our animations on the news saying, this is what this project's gonna look like when it's done in three years, so that people can understand the scope of the project, they can understand how it's gonna change their commute. And also from this virtual model, 
we've started to do some new things. And one of those is virtual reality. So one of the guys that's been helping me, he showed me one day that, that we could use virtual reality in the project. And, and it seemed cool, but it didn't seem practical. I was like, how are we going to use that? And, and so I just thought about it a little bit more. And I was like, you know what? If we put a helicopter cockpit around this camera and then did virtual reality, it's, it would feel like you're flying over the project in a helicopter. And so that's what we did. We call them virtual helicopter tours. So it's a five-minute tour where you can fly over the project and you can look around, move your head in any direction and look at the project below you as you fly over. And so, and by the way, you can see these examples if you go to my website, civilfx.com or my YouTube channel, even the virtual reality, you can use the 360 YouTube video on that. So essentially our, our goal is to create the project as accurately as possible and then use that to create visuals in a variety of formats to communicate it and, and empower the project managers, the politicians, the public officers to use those to communicate it to the public or the stakeholders or whoever they're talking to the project about. That's great. And the reason that I invited Sam on is, I mean, there's two things that are, I think, really exciting about what he does. One of them is the fact that Sam's a civil engineer by background, so he has a really good handle on the projects and the process, and now he's able to bring this other aspect and perspective to it, which I think is awesome. But I think also as a civil engineer who's done a lot of design work, there can be a frustration associated with the fact that you're putting a lot of hours in, you're doing a lot of work, but you can't really communicate what you're doing to clients, to stakeholders, to at town board meetings, you know, whatever the case may be. And I feel like Sam can help civil engineers to do that. And obviously that's what he's doing and that's how he's building this business. So I think that those are some pretty awesome things. So Sam, talk a little bit about the the software they use. You mentioned that it's CAD or like a microstation or a CAD file. Is there some kind of graphics software that you use to bring the terrain in and all that stuff? Sure. So we basically have two workflows that we use depending on the what the client wants. One of them is SketchUp to Lumion. So SketchUp was, Google had it for a while. It's a Trimble product now and a lot of architects use it. And so we'll build the the project in SketchUp and then we'll bring it into Lumion, which is a kind of a game engine for architects. And that's where we produce the videos and stuff. And, and usually the Lumion workflow is for smaller projects where they're just interested in images or videos. And in building the model in SketchUp, we bring files in from, from CAD or MicroStation or whatever the client's using. And then the, the other workflow that we've been using on Project Neon and other projects which is more flexible, is kind of the AutoCAD Civil 3D to Unity workflow. And so we build the project, at least the infrastructure modeling, which is like the roads, the slope paving, the drainage features. We do that all in Civil 3D. And then we bring that into Unity 3D, which is a game engine, which is used to make a lot of video games these days. And, and then in Unity, we assemble everything else. We put the traffic animations, the trees, the buildings, and so on any given project, we're going to use a lot of different software packages. We're going to use Civil 3D, Unity, SketchUp, sometimes 3ds Max, MicroStation. It just depends. But the goal is, is always the same, which is to get the fundamental engineering pieces accurately modeled in 3D and then uh, brought into a virtual world, whether it be Unity or Lumion. It sounds like there's a lot of different layers to it, and it's very 
you know, I don't know, I want to say it's complex because I'm sure you've done it enough to be able to work through these things. And like Sam mentioned on his website, which we're going to link to, you can click on his portfolio and check out some of these really cool helicopter tours. Sam, just for point of reference, I'm sure that your fee for these things changes based on project, but there is there like some kind of approximate percentage of costs of these engineering projects that are allotted or budgeted for things like this, renderings, visualization? Is that something that you started to get a feel for in building the business? Yeah. And that was a big unknown for me when I knew I wanted to start the business. You know, I was just starting to understand how you would make these videos or these visualizations, but I had no idea how to charge for it. And the more I've done it, the more it's kind of evolved into a consulting firm, just like any other engineering consulting firm where you have rates and you have billable hours. And, and so the client will come to me and they'll give me an idea of the scope. And then I'll go back to them and I'll say, you know, based on what you want, this is our estimate. And, and then we kind of negotiate from there. You know, if they think that that's too much, then we'll kind of dial down the scope a little bit. Right. And as far as how that relates to the size of the project, just for reference, this project Neon, it's a billion dollar project and our fee, it's, <laughs> it's way, way less than that. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it out once. It's like 0.01 or 0.02% of okay. the, the overall thing. So billion dollars, meaning the construction cost, right? Yes. Okay. Not only construction, but the right-of-way acquisitions, which when you're buying land alongside the strip in Las Vegas, it's super expensive. Because I'm just wondering, like, you know, I know that this is, I don't want to say this is a new thing, the visualization, but I know it's like in the realm of things, it's relatively new. And when you think about these projects, typically people budget certain percentages for certain things. So I'm wondering, like, as part of your sales process, if you're finding it, like, people need to be educated about this now because they haven't really planned on, you know, budgeting this. Yeah, I I think the closest comparison to what projects already spend their money on it. It's like the public information aspect, especially for big projects. They have PIOs, which is public information officers, and they're the ones that interface with the news media. They do the website. They do updates about when construction is for traffic impacts and stuff like that. And so on Project Neon, for example, we're a branch of the public outreach arm. And so it's just another line item for public outreach. You know, they say, we need a public outreach office. We need three PIOs and we need Sam's visualization. You know, we're just another line item for them. Okay. So what is the typical avatar of a client? Would it be an engineering consulting firm or what what is like most of your clients look like if, if they're, (laughs) maybe they're all different, but. Yeah, I guess there's, Two different kinds of clients. I mean, obviously, it could be an engineering firm, it could be a contractor or whatever. But as far as their attitude, you know, it's the reluctant client and the excited client. And the reluctant client is looking at the requirements for a project. And some projects have requirements for visualization. And so they call me and they say, this says that we have to have someone doing visualization. Will you be part of our team or will you do our visualization so that we can meet that requirement? And, and a lot of times... People that have been in the industry for a while, and this kind of relates to the last question, they're like, well, we haven't spent money on this in the past. Why do we need to spend money on it now? And I'm excited to say, usually those reluctant clients change their tune after their first experience. They find it difficult to talk about projects without visualization afterwards. And then the other client is the one that's excited, and they're the ones that they want to get an edge, or they want to, they see the advantages that I can personally bring, you know, locally here, or or otherwise, 
and then they bring me on the team. And, and sometimes what happens is they're competing for a project and in the engineering world, a lot of times engineering firms will start grouping up and trying to compete for a project. And so now that I'm getting my name out there and I've done more projects, I'll start to get calls from engineering firms saying, hey, will you be on our team? Will you be an exclusive partner on our team trying to win this project? And that's that's my most common type of work. But, but I mean, I've done work for nonprofit agencies. Like there's a, a local one where I live and there's a hot springs. They're trying to reopen it. So I made a visualization showing this is what the hot springs could look like if it was developed. I worked for a, a local utility doing a solar panel setup. I've done construction phasing for contractors trying to win projects, especially on like design build or CMAR projects. There's a lot of different potential clients. Sam, on one of these uh, infrastructure projects that you might be working on, at what point of the project do you typically get involved or do you typically get started? Usually it's early on in the project. A lot of times we're dealing with 30% design documents because that's the point where they need to sell it whether it be to the public or to politicians or stakeholders. Sometimes if we're more involved with the project, we might get 100% or close to 100% design documents. But one thing that I've learned and is almost a challenge for my business model is once the project starts, I'm kind of out of the picture. You know, it's, I'm not like a utility subcontractor that's going to be there for the life of the, the project. I make my visuals and then I get out of there. And that's kind of one reason why we've been looking at other ways to stay more involved, you know, whether it be through making a project app for a phone or tablet, which we have a lot of experience doing, or making a project website, or doing site photography, documenting the construction projects, so that we can not only get that initial payment when the project's just getting going, but also be involved for the life of the project. And how about your time, Sam? Where do you spend your time? Do you have to, after you do the visualization, do you go and do you have to present it? Do you have to get in front, up in front of people like at a town meeting or something? I guess, what does your days look like today? The goal of most projects is to empower the client, which a lot of times is like a project manager, whether that be an engineering project manager or a construction project manager. So we give them the tools and then we give it to them. Because we're a lot of times on the cutting edge of technology, a lot of that is involved in educating the client on how to use the technology. So for Project Neon, when we started developing it, and I realized not only would we have these nice rendered animations and pictures, but we'd also have the virtual reality. We also have an interactive interface that you can use a touchscreen and zoom around to different parts of the project. And so I was like, well, the way that we could do this is set up a virtual center where in the public information office, you have some touchscreens, you have a big TV, you have some of these virtual reality goggles so that people can come in and experience the project, you know, in a lot of different ways or whatever way is most comfortable to them. So for these newer projects where we're doing more things, I'm spending a lot of time working with the client saying, this is how you use this. And sometimes they invite me to the public meeting to, so that I can be there on hand to either for technical difficulties or just to interface with the uh, public directly. And so that's, that's a lot of what I do. And, and I live about 100 miles north of Las Vegas. And so once or twice a week, I'll go to Vegas, I'll meet with clients or I'll go to public meetings. But then a lot of my days is just spent working at my office. And it's just like if you work for a consulting firm, you have non-billable hours and you have billable hours. Right. As the owner of this company, I spend time doing payroll, accounting, marketing, web development. You know, I do everything that I can. And, and as I'm growing 
quickly. I'm getting more people to help me with a lot of those things, but I'm finding that I don't spend a lot of billable hours because just the things that I can do trying to win projects or whatever else, like I'm the only one that can do them. Whereas a lot of the billable hours, there's like real artists and real professionals that can do it a lot better than I can. Yeah. And that, that's another question that I have for you, because I'm sure that there's a lot of civil engineers out there listening to this saying, how did this guy go out and build this company? Meaning that, you know, as a civil engineer, you're, you're not really learning sales, accounting, marketing, and I'm sure you're still learning this stuff. But I guess the question is, how do you do those things? Like, how do you work on those skill sets? Was there something that you did when you started the business or were you always comfortable at sales? Yeah, well, when you start out, depending on your budget, which for me was, wasn't much with my family and, and leaving my job, you end up doing a lot of those things yourself, you know, like whether it be bookkeeping or building the website, marketing. I was just doing that as well as I could do myself or as well as I could teach myself. But as you grow, you find out that there are solutions to a lot of problems in this world. And so, like, for example, payroll has always been something that's doesn't work well with my personality. And you find that there are companies that will do your payroll for you. Right. You know, if you pay them a fee, the same with like the, the website marketing. I have a, my brother does that for another firm and he's gone to school, you know, in graphic design and he's actually trained for this stuff. And so now I'm trying to put a lot of that stuff on him. So he's, managing more of my social media and my website updates and my portfolio and marketing planning, going to conferences. He's, he's trying to do more of that. And so I've heard like when I, when I worked for a civil engineering firm, I, I would hear, hear people say, you know, I could go and start my own firm, but I don't want to be an accountant. I don't want to be a, a lawyer. I don't want to have to do all these other things, but, but you realize you don't have to do those things and you don't even have to hire them. I mean, like I don't have to hire an attorney to review my contracts. I can pay a, an attorney as a private contractor to review my contracts or that, or that might be part of my insurance package, which it is. I paid for liability insurance and part of that was contract review. And so I can be a really small core, you know, me and a few artists that I trust. We live in a world where it's so easy to solve those problems. Right. Yeah. It makes it easy to kind of, I mean, not that it's easy to build the business, but it makes it easier to do some of the things that you never thought you might be able to do because you have access to experts and other people that are available, which is the same experience that I've, I've had here. When I first started, I was, I'm not trained as an artist, which is a lot of what I delivered for clients. And so a lot of times it would be frustrating because I would have to just kind of learn as I went and then one day I, I realized if I can just pay real artists that like went to school for this kind of stuff, I didn't have that frustration as much. I was excited about what they were able to create. And there's still that gap between engineering and video games that is the most challenging part of what I do. And that's requires really specialized people like modeling a bridge or modeling a roadway. They're not going to teach that in art school, but a lot of the other stuff, you know, whether it being making the trees look nice or making the texturing and the reflections and the sun and all that stuff. Like I learned that getting qualified people to do these things is way better than me learning it myself. Like it's just not valuable for me to spend hours and hours learning how to do something when people can do it so much better. That applies. I think if you're in business, I think that applies if you're a civil engineer doing civil engineering. I mean, that's one of the challenges I see with engineers in general is that, you know, it gets hard to let go of things and try to delegate other things. So that's, I think, a lesson that everybody can learn. 
So what we're going to do now here is we're going to switch gears and round out this one with Sam. I'm going to ask him a few questions a little bit more about career and professional development to close it out. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'm going to round out this one with Sam Lytle here from Civil FX. I'm going to ask him a few career professional development oriented questions. But before we jump into that, I do want to just take a moment to thank and recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses. It's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, Sam, so we talked a lot about your business. We talked about what you do as far as helping people visualize projects. What was the slogan for your company, Sam? The visual side of infrastructure. The visual side of infrastructure. So we got into that. Now let's talk a little bit more about professional development, personal development as an engineer, as a business owner now, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? Like, do you do maybe meetings at one time of the day or certain kind of work at one time of the day that you found to help you that you do consistently? I'm not very good at doing things the same time every day. Like, that's something that I really got to work on. But one thing that I'm really good at is uh, inbox zero on my email. So, Whenever I get an email, I make an action on that. You know, I make, I either need to respond or delete it, whoever. And, and by the end of the day, I always have inbox zero. And that's like, if I don't have that, it's hard for me to focus. I also use a couple tools every single day that help me. One of them is Google Calendar. Everything that I do ends up being an appointment at some point. That's also how I track like my billable hours and things that I've done in the past. And so it's kind of a record of my life, both in the past and the future. And then as a team, we use Slack and Wonderless, Slack for communication and Wonderless for, for tasks. So between those tools, that's basically how I develop my uh, daily routine around. That's great. And you, when you talk about Inbox Zero, does that mean that like at the end of the day, you'll go through everything? Or does that mean like throughout the day, you're checking in on it? How does that look? Usually it's throughout the day. Sometimes there's things that I can't take action on for whatever reason. And so they'll sit in there for a few hours, sometimes even a few days. But uh, just throughout the day, I, I try and always get to inbox zero, which happens probably at least once a day, if not twice a day. Wow, that's pretty amazing. All right. So next question is, what is one book that you might recommend that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development? One book that really got me started was uh, The Millionaire Fast Lane by, I think it's MJ DeMarco. It just spoke to me as far as my mindset and where I wanted to go in life. And uh, it made a lot of sense to me at the time. And, and that's what helped me motivate and see that, you know, this thing that looks really risky on the outside, maybe it's not that risky in the context of everything. Awesome. All right. And last question, Sam, we call this the civil engineering career elevator advice. If you were in an elevator with a civil engineer for 30, 40 seconds and you had to give him or her some career advice in that short period of time, what would you tell that person? 
I tell them to learn how they learn best and then never stop learning. And I'm kind of preaching to the choir for people to listen to a podcast like this because they're already tapping in to that. But that's one thing that helped me a lot understand who I was and where my career needed to go was I, I started learning through podcasts and audiobooks and websites. And then I just consumed as much as I could. And that helped me get more closely aligned with, with who I was as a person. Great. And before we let you go, Sam, what are some of the things that we can look forward to for you and Civil FX in the future? Sure. Uh, one thing is I'm just trying to flesh out my team. Right now, it looks like a lot of independent contractors. And so it's a matter of you know, who of those will become permanent employees. Do they become full-time, part-time? Getting the marketing so that it's more of a consistent thing so that I have like my, my core team. And then as far as services, we're going to, like I mentioned, start offering drones, project photography, documentation, as well as project uh, websites and apps. And some of that might be directly through me or some of that might be through partnering, partnering with uh, other firms. But, but that's something I want to be able to tell clients. And that's based on feedback from talking to them is because uh, a lot of them say, you know, can you do drone photography or whatever else? And so we're going to be able to add those which, like I mentioned, fall under that umbrella of the visual side of infrastructure and use a lot of the talent that I have. You know, it's at the end of the day, a lot of it's video and picture files, which is what is our forte. Absolutely. And where's the best place for the listeners to find you, Sam? Through your website, is that right? Yeah, civilfx.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, which I think is linkedin.com slash in slash Sam Lytle. You can also find CivilFX on Twitter, at CivilFX, or you can find me personally on Twitter at the Sam Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E. And, uh, and I love to connect. Actually, my email, sam at civilfx.com, is the best way to reach out to me. And, and like I said, <laughs> Inbox Zero, I, I take action on every single email. So I'd love to hear from anyone. All right, great. Sam, thanks for spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. We really appreciate having you on board here. Thank you, Anthony, and best of luck to you and, and all your ventures. All right, until next week, I wish you all the best in your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.